Just go for it, Leanne. Just go for it. Um, right, okay. So All in, all in. Balls, balls to the wall. Um, okay, right, so... You're very welcome oh. to the what's now the fourth episode of Modern Life is Rubbish. Uh, thank you very much to everyone who's tuned in for the last couple of episodes. Um, don't forget to follow us on all the socials. Actually, why am I saying things like this? I sound ridiculous. Um, I'm just going to cut into it. Uh, today's guest is, uh, I think I described him on Instagram earlier on as a DJ, motivational speaker, proud yes. daddy, yoga hobby, and yes. uh, tailor to the stars. Uh, yes. Welcome along, Chris Suter. What's the crack? What about you, McCoo? Now, the first thing I have to just check, Leanne, you know, I try to give people nicknames. It's just part of my psyche. And I remember the first time that we properly met in your cafe, I just started calling you McCoo for just the crack. And you told me, you told me, uh, Suter, actually, only my kind of close friends called me McCoo and kind of looked at me funny. And I was kind of getting the vibes that... Can I not call you McCoo, or is it okay to call you McCoo? No, no, it's fine. It's just, it's a weird one, because um, the girls that I went to school with, like, now, it's not that long ago from I left school, lol. Um, <laughs> but there was only only a few of them, like, I mean, as in four or five, and we all run about together, and they, they called me McCoo. Uh, and nobody else, like a few a few people, I got McCoo's O. Right. Uh, when, when I worked in the bank in Uri, I got it the odd time, which was a wee bit irritating. Um, I got it. But uh, no, you you just just the fact that it was unprompted was quite amusing to me. It's brilliant. It's, it's, it's quite strange. I don't know what it is, Leon, but sorry, McCoo. I don't know what it is, McCoo, but um, I I just have this thing about giving people nicknames, even when I barely know them. Like I, ha- I must I must tell you a quick story. So there was um, a customer in my shop who was the owner of a very well-known hotel. Okay. And um, his name. Well, we just have to say, like, not, not that it matters. Like, anyway, his name was Francis, right? Okay. And um, me being me, about the third time of actually meeting him, he came into the shop and I went out from behind the desk and went straight up with my hand out, as I am, friendly, open as I am. I went, hey, Frank, good to see you. And he put his hand out and McCoo, he grabbed my hand and he started shaking my hand and it got really strong and he pulled me in and pulled me in until his nose was more or less touching mine. And he goes, Christopher, it is always Francis. And just stared at me for about three seconds. And McCoo, I literally shit myself. How, one do of those, come, how do you come back from that? What, what did you do? I just went, I just went, Francis, I'm your man. And then that was, and then you know what, the way he was, he's a great guy. Like, you know, he just had that way with him. He, he, he commanded respect and commanded authority. And um, yeah, from, from that day on, I'm always a wee bit more careful about giving people nicknames but it is just a part of me McCoy it's just I don't know what it is it's just I, I, I don't know I just give people nicknames and um, you, some people you, like you it some would, people don't you draw the line at meeting somebody for the first time saying alright Thundercunt what's happening well <laughs> yes I would definitely not the language that that doesn't, doesn't come into my vocabulary McCoy I just don't know what that means no you're you're quite uh, you're quite PG-13 you're quite Radio Walster Um well, do you know what? Yes, on- online, yes. But look, my I have a, a 
do you know what it is? Actually, McCoy, over at ESC, from becoming more prominent on social media and doing the Instagram stories and stuff, it has kind of calmed down my language. I had the mouth of a sewer when I was younger, and I mean that, like, you know, cheapers, F, I, I used to put, I used to put the word flipping fuck in the middle of words, you know, you know the way it is over here. We put, we put words, swear words in the middle of other words, but, um, yeah, I suppose over the last couple of years, my language has become very much toned down, and obviously being around the kids all the time, you know, you have to be very kind of aware of what you're saying. And yeah, so look, my language is definitely chilled out a wee bit. Well, listen, um, there's a, f- a few people uh, messaging me. They're quite excited about this. Um, a, lot of, a few people messaging me saying, who, who the fuck's a suitor? So um, ex- explain yourself and introduce yourself to the uninitiated for us. Right, so hello, my name is Chris Suter. Um, by day, I am a tailor and I own menswear shops, one of them particularly being in Belfast called Suter Brothers. Um, I'm partnering that with my big brother, William, and that's a family business. It's been going over 28, this is our, yes, this is our 28th year. I also have another shop with another gentleman, Mark Noble, over on the Isle of Man, which we opened last January. Um, let me see what else do I do. Um, social media-wise, yes, I'm kind of known as a bit of a motivator. I enjoy motivational speaking. I get up in the morning and tell everybody to get up, get out, and get at it. Hashtag GGG, which has become like my thing now, Maku. So as you, as you, that's how we met, yes. as you know. And um, let me see, in the evening times then, I am a DJ, which is just kind of a new thing. I started that in August, and it went mental. And then I also, in December, became a fully licensed boxing MC. So um, I do a, wee, <laughs> do a wee bit of that in my spare, spare time. As much as that, I'm also a father to two wonderful kids. I'm a husband to an amazing wife, Nicola. She's at Suter Yoga. She does um, she does yoga from home and yoga in, in, in Belfast and different places. So I follow her a bit as her wee skivvy carrying her bags um, let me see McCoo, what else there's lo- loads of other stuff yeah I do a lot of business mentorship and I say the motivational talks and podcasts and yeah I just kind of get involved in everything charity I do a lot of charity work and have you ever have you ever considered maybe taking up a hobby or learning a language or just having a bag of cans in the in the garden some evening or? Which, do you know what? Yeah, my hobby, my hobby, I read a lot of philosophy. I love reading philosophy. And um, the deep, uh, McCre- the DJ thing, it has become my number one hobby. It has also become a business because I now get paid to go and DJ in places. And number three, it is my complete getaway from everything. See, when I'm locked into the decks and I'm playing the tracks and it's just me, myself, and yeah, it's it's everything all rolled into one. So who knows? See out of this whole no social distancing thing. Like let's let's call us speed of speed. Same business goes tits up. I'm gonna be a superstar DJ, just like Kevin and Perry. And okay. um, I'm gonna take myself to Ibiza when we open back up again and play nightclubs until I'm fifty. What about that? Does that sound good? Yeah, it does. Have you ever been to Ibiza? Never once. Oh, you're joking me. Never once. Have you I been? Definitely. That as soon as soon as things. Well, I was going to say as soon as things get back to normal, but you're not really allowed to say that um, because apparently there is no no normal now. We're not going to get back to a normal anyway. Okay. Um, but as as soon as the uh, as there's flights, you should you should go to Ibiza because it is it's awesome. Like it's I've, I've never been times, and it's uh, it's it's very very good. How did you get into DJ? And was this something that you did um, years ago and you you found again, or did you just give it a, a give it a lash? 
Well, um, I suppose let me get let me get this. I've been trying to think of this story, Maku, for the past sort of six months because because I get asked it quite a bit. And there's a wee documentary done only if you go into YouTube and just search Chris Suter, you'll come up with my documentary, which followed me in the two week journey from getting my first deciding to be a DJ and getting my first gig. Um, I had a, had a gig within two weeks, right? So. Um, let me get back to the story here and get a bit of a timeline. So, whenever I was a kid, uh, my cousin, I was obviously big in the music, right? I loved my dance music. And my cousin Gary, who lived very close to me, he was also into it. And he was a wee bit older than me. And he bought himself a set of decks. And I used to go into his house and we used to dick about and stuff on the decks. And that was fine. So, that was that was it when I was about sort of 14, 15. Then it kind of went away. I got into cars and women. And um, after cars and women, I kind of got, I, I bought a set of decks again. I only remember this the other day. I bought a set of decks when I was about 25 or 26. I think I played them twice, Maku, and then sold, sold them on again, and that was fine. And then I always had this flipping itch to want to be a DJ. And, I, and again, it went out of my, it went out of my head because I'm thinking, Shooter, you're never going to be a DJ. Don't wise yourself up. Too much stuff. Kids, family, life, business, everything was taken over. And um, I started out doing the whole Instagram thing with the videos, and I used to overlay music onto my Instagram videos. And people people kept pinging me, Chris, give me a Spotify playlist. Where's your music? Will you make me a USB? Where's all this stuff you're getting? And honestly, I just decided one day, I'm going to be a DJ. Stop this. I'm just going to do it. And literally within about a day, day and a half, in the shop, a lovely gentleman who owns a nightclub in Bangor, Michael Brennan, called into the shop. Me and him get chatting. And we just decided, you know what, I'm going to do it. And he says, Shooter, what sort of music do you play? I said, I'm going to play trance. He says, well, I have a trance night in two weeks. Do you want me to get you on the bill? And I was like, yeah. And he just phoned up um, lovely guy, Hugh Kilpatrick, who runs NI Trance Family. And he says, Hugh, we've got this guy, Shooter, who's a tailor in Belfast, wants to be a DJ. He's going to play in your club, or he's going to play in my club in two weeks' time. Will you put him on your bill? And Hugh said, yeah, no problem. And honestly, McCoy, see, within two weeks, I got all the stuff. I got all the music. I got absolutely everything together, learned how to do it. Went down to the nightclub, which was on the 2nd of August, and bish bash bosh, I'm a DJ. And it's literally, it's literally as simple and as straightforward as that. And then Michael asked me back the next week, and then the next week, and then I got involved with another guy, lovely guy called Paddy Fagan in 14 in Belfast. And he asked me down, which then got me involved with his main DJ guy called PDK, Pete Kernan. Pete Kernan took me under his wing, taught me a whole lot of stuff, gave me some music. And there I was there in that club sort of two, three times a month. And um, yeah, and I picked up a couple other bits and pieces and played in a festival and played, oh, jeepers, played all over the place in other clubs and supported me. My hero, by the way, is a guy called Kieran McCauley. He's a local guy, massive international trans DJ. Um, supported him on New Year's Eve. So there's his name up and in, in lights on the fly and then there's my name underneath it and supported Judge Jules. So Judge Jules came over to 14 in October that's, and it was that's a big one that's a fucking big one there that's on unreal so there was Judge the Flyers Judge Jules and then underneath PDK and Suter like I'm th- like I'm only a DJ two and a half months and I'm on the same bill as Judge Jules and um what was he honestly he was he was fine um McCoy, he's, he's a wee bit he's a wee bit of a space kid out because he's, he's probably chewed more disco biscuits than flipping I don't know, some, everybody put together. But um, yeah, honestly, honestly, got a good chat with him. And he was great. But see, towards the end of the night, whenever it was my go, and like me, me and Pete were closing the club, so he wouldn't he wouldn't get off the decks. He was having such a good time. 
I had to get I had to get up, McCool. I guess this is, this is going to be my one of my best memories of DJ. And I had to get into the box. The promoter told me to get into the box and says, "Get Judge Jules out now. Take his USBs out. Album. Do whatever you have to do. Just get him out." So I'm standing there with literally a hero of mine. Like this is Judge Flippin' Jules, and I'm going, "How do I get him out of the DJ box?" And he, he finished one track, and I was like, right, Jules, you got to get out, you got to get out. And I lifted his flipping, I pulled his USB out, because you've got two USBs, so I pulled his spare one out. And he kind of looked at me and says, hey, you got to go. So I went around the other side of him and literally elbowed him, like pushed him out of the DJ box. And that was fine. And that was him away. He went, he got his stuff together, took his other USB, didn't even say cheerio to me, because I think he felt like me. He was like, who's it? Fucking hell. I know, I literally pushed him out, so anyway. But so, great. So, so you met your hero and then you, you emasculated him in front of a crowd? Did, tell you, get GTF, get the fuck. That's what I said. Get the juice, get out the hell, come on, way home. You've done your bit, suitors go here. And it was, it was, I must admit now, McCoy, again, he was playing some really wacky stuff. And the crowd had started, this was at two o'clock, so I was playing from two to three. This was, um, this is right, you know, more not at peak hour because people obviously peak hour sort of in the ranks from one o'clock. But people were starting to go home. They were like, "What's this guy playing?" So see when it, see whenever I got him out of the way, I went straight in with this really bouncy electro version of Shaquille Saltwater. People listening probably wouldn't know what that is. Anyway, it was amazing. And then you seen the people get back up off their seats, and people that were leaving came back in, and honestly, McCoo. Myself and then PDK, we smashed that last hour, and um, it was just off. Oh, what is, I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about it. Absolutely amazing. Absolutely yeah, fucking amazing. I, I've done well. I've done a bit of DJ in, in my time as well, right? Um, yes. Which I've, I've never, I've never liked to mention too much, you know, because I don't want people thinking that I'm trying to wipe your eye. Um, I used to run, well, used to work in uh, the bank bar and the nightclub whenever, what, say, 2002, 2003. Which was massive. It was it was, it was, was a serious spot. Okay. It was this spot, right? It was one of these spots, like, in it was. in the north, um, which we didn't really realise. It was only whenever you were talking to people, you know, from outside, like, you know, you talk to reps and you talk to, you know, um, BDMs and stuff that come down from Coca-Cola and that. And they were falling over themselves to get their products in, to get uh, doing business with you because it was a shit hot place to be, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, there was a, a very good DJ. You see, let's put a fine point on it here, right? Trance is shite. Right? <laughs> I've discussed this already in that I've just made a sweeping statement and you've agreed. <laughs> um, I... Uh, yeah, so trance was never going to be a massive thing in the bank because far, far, far too commercial, right? Um, and so there would have been a lot of R&B, a lot of commercial house, yeah. dance, blah, 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 at the start. So there was a couple of DJs, uh, one guy called Pat Hughes and his brother Fergal, and they would have been slightly cooler than the average Neary DJ. Yes. Um, so uh, Pat sort of introduced me to a bit of decent R&B, um, Neptune's, and uh, Usher's 8701 was out at that stage. Uh, yes. So I sort of got into it, and w- once you stand in the DJ box for any more than about five minutes talking to the DJ, um, unless you're trying to proposition the DJ, which obviously I wasn't, um, <laughs> and I was sort of watching what he was doing and that, and then, you know, obviously later on at night, whenever everybody's sort of heading home and everyone's cleaned up, you've got to sort of fuck about in the DJ box with a set of denims. Yeah. And that sort of gave me a wee buzz for it, not so much, 
um, the technicalities of beat matching and stuff like that. But obviously you do have to do a wee bit of that. Um, but just the effect that some music has on on the crowd and, and how you can watch it. So I ended up doing wee bits and pieces of that, DJing in the bar on a Thursday night, but keeping it all, I'm in the soul and house and R&B, all, all that sexy love-making music basically. And I, I don't understand how you would make love to trance music because I imagine it would be painful. Oh, you just go like a rabbit. 138 beats per minute, absolutely brilliant. The blade loves it. But, uh, you, can't sustain, you can't sustain that. You must have an awesome <laughs> like, like a ripe plum. Plenty of red bull, McCoon. Away you go. But, um, oh. do you know what? I knew that about you, McCoon. Do you know, I knew you were a lover. I knew you were a lover the minute I met you and you're into that kind of stuff. I just, you just put out this, this persona that you're not, but really you are. You just want to love people. Oh, well, I've been writing music, never heard anybody. <laughs> Do you know what I'm just saying? See, back with the sort of, oh, that was that was kind of like the golden age of R&B back then. You'd Usher and, oh, Flip, you'd, uh, Destiny's Child and Snoop Dogg and Twister and all that kind of stuff. That was a yeah. that was actually a really, really good time for that sort of music. It was, because Pharrell came along and basically produced everything for everybody. Yes. And that, that sound that he has is just... You know, it's a wee bit, well, it's not now, like, but at that time, you know, all those crazy wee fucking sound effects and synths and stuff like that. And it was just, it was like the epitome of cool, you know? Yes. Um, and, and that's the sort of stuff I would love. But I, I did a couple of nights in, in the bank. I got absolutely smashed and shit-faced. One, I got to do a New Year's Eve, right? I'd obviously tortured the boss that much that he decided, right, okay, it's New Year's Eve. We'll have to pay a proper DJ double. So we'll just let McCoy do it. And, uh, <laughs> I uh, did, did the thing. Everything went great. Everything went fucking awesome. But a bit like Judge Jules, um, I because I was saucing away, which isn't advisable whenever you're you're doing a job. You didn't um, you didn't want to get off. Uh, no, well, I was I was happy enough getting off, but I went down a rabbit hole of early nineties um, early nineties commercial hip hop, uh, and one of my, my finest moments in life was because um, I got the light sky to basically I, I, I cut the music you know when you do the break and it's like silence oh, Jesus. and the light sky cut the lights so there's about a second two seconds of darkness and silence yes. and then I, whip, I whipped in Gangster's Paradise and the yes. place went fucking bananas because nobody had heard it in fucking in years you know um, but it's that, it's that kind of stuff that that uh, that I like about DJ and it's basically a whole crowd of people thinking that you're class. Oh, but you know what, and you, and you know what you mentioned it earlier on there about the, the technicalities and stuff on it. It is far better. A DJ, a DJ should really be about the music and not about the mix. I know a lot of a lot of bedroom DJs, Maku, are all about the technical stuff. And again, you spoke about the beat matching and the way the phrases are put together and all that different effects. Seeing a nightclub scenario, seeing a real world scenario when there's people there having a drink and just there to listen to the music they don't give two shites about all the technical stuff they just want to hear good music and if you can just if you have a good ear for what a crowd can like and you can read the crowds you play something and they react to it and you, you can immediately think to yourself well here I have another track in my library that's similar to that let's play that mix and that keeps yeah. the crowd going and then you can think well actually here now that I've played that see if I mix that into that that's going to work really well and all of, if you can read the crowd and play what, you, what they think they want 
want to hear. That's the key to it because you get guys nowadays, Maku, they're bedroom DJs, and honestly, they're probably the best technical DJs in the world that the world has ever seen. You know, they're pitch perfect, they're beat perfect, they're everything perfect, but the stuff that plays shite. So they don't, they, you know, nobody wants to listen to them. I worked out from the ver- from very early. I have, um, I just have a, some people. You might have had it, a knack of just playing to the crowd and seeing what got people going, and then being able to change your set and the next the next track and think maybe two or three tracks down the road. And I just, I was able to do that. And you know, from the couple of nights that I played. Um, in in Fort uh, sorry in Betty Black like my first three, I learnt my flipping sauce very quickly because McCoo I went straight in the first night which was a trance night as you can imagine with trance and it was fine. When when Michael got me back the next week, it was like a flipping, I think it was a, a like an A level school leavers night, and I <laughs> and I go straight into the middle of Ryan Muskimmon playing all this super duper funky game, funky hip hop, R&B, dance music, and I go straight in with an R of trance, and they're kind of like, they're kind of looking at me going, what the fuck is this guy playing? And I'm thinking, I'm thinking, shit, I don't have any more music. This is all I've got, guys. You're listening to this, because this is, this is all there is. Now, after about half an hour of them realizing, shit, this is all this guy's got. We're in Bangor, there's no other clubs, we can't go anywhere. We're just going to have to party to this guy's trance music. After after um, the half an hour, everybody got into it. But it, it, it taught me a very valuable lesson because, again, there was me. Didn't know what it was all about. Didn't have a clue. I just thought, you pick the tracks you want to play. You set it all up. You go in. You play it out. And you go home. Not the way it works. You have to read the crowd. You have to play what people want to hear. And um, yeah, I, I learned it very, very quickly. And again, PDK took me under his wing and taught me a few things. And I've, I've, wor- I've worked out how to become, a, 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 not a really good, but a decent club DJ. And, you know, it's not nowadays just about picking the genre, sticking with that genre. It's about being able to, people want to come and hear what you've got to play. And yeah, I just, I really enjoy it. And I play, I play loads of different stuff, but the stuff that works in the club is the more commercial dance stuff. And I do a lot of, I do a lot of mashups, you know, tracks that people will know, but they're maybe overdubbed on a completely different backing or with a, or with a redrum. And I love mixing up stuff with mashups. That's kind of my thing at the minute. But then, I'll tell you what, the, one of the best DJs, just when you're saying about, um, you know, having a sort of a comedy, basically what you're doing is you're accommodating everybody, you're trying to give, you know, you have to have a wee bit of a, an arsenal there where you can please as many people as possible. Yes. And the best, best example of that, that I ever saw, I was at a wedding in Carlingford one time and there was no band. So there was just, so you had your meal and the DJ set up immediately, right? The DJ, I'd say, was about, he'd have been, he'd have been late 50s and that's been generous. Yes. Uh, early 60s. And he looked like Jim Bowen from Bullseye. Right. Uh, so, uh, stages are all done, tables are all pushed back, happy days, let's party. And he starts playing Javen music. And, uh, well, actually, he was a bit of waltzy stuff, first of all. And you can see all the young ones going, oh, what is going on? You know, and, uh, but... There was, a, there was a few there, you know, the older ones. They had a wee waltz, the grannies and the grandas had a wee waltz. Then there was a bit of jaggy stuff, bit of fucking stop the world and let me off. You know, all that caper, you know. Um, so this went on. And he basically did it like a passage of time. But while the old ones were having their wee jive and their wee waltz, the young ones were playing it at the bar. And then he sort of, he sort of went into, he dropped, he dropped the Whitney, right? He went for, I want to dance with somebody. He brought a few young ones out. At this stage, Granny and Granda are falling asleep. 
in the hotel lobby. So they've gone. Uh, by the end of the night, he was walloping in the Gangnam style and uh, Maniac 2000. The floor was absolutely packed. Um, and just from the word go, the floor was packed. But it was a generational thing. Yes. So the older ones were, were dropping off. And as they dropped off, he was bringing in the new shit. And it was the best ever set I think I've ever seen. It was amazing. The dance floor was full all night. It is just honestly see see being a wedding DJ, that is one that is probably one of the toughest gigs in the industry. Being able to please 16, 17 year olds are gonna be at the wedding and being able to please seventy and eighty year olds are gonna like that's yeah. honestly that's that's something I don't think I could do that yet. But um I did I did one wedding and it was it was horrible, right? Um now the it, 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 I went down okay, it was grand the wedding was, was well I actually did two weddings but one of them doesn't count. Um <laughs> but uh, the one that I did do was grand, it was a hundred percent. But you see the amount of fucking annoying people coming what have you got? Yeah, he's, I mean, because this age obviously it was CDs, so I had a couple of, you know, the the book, the book sort of yes. cases of, of CDs. Let me have a look at what you have. I'm like, no, don't touch my shit. But you can't say that because at the end of the day, they're your customer. So you have to like try and be polite Correct. up to a point. Yeah. And after doing that, and I think I did a 21st birthday as well. So this was all with the remote gear and stuff, which is thankfully came in, came in good. It cluttered up my house for ages, but then whenever... Um, the comedy club came on in McCoy's in the road. I had a PA system there, so thankfully it didn't it didn't totally go to waste. But after the twenty first birthday party, I thought, "Fuck this! I'm I'm never doing this again." I saved a two hundred pound or whatever. Yeah, yeah. To, to load up your car twice to listen to people yapping at you because you're not playing what they want. Um, it's it's just not not worth it at all, you know. Oh, do you know what? I was listening to a pod, another podcast, a DJ podcast earlier on. And um, it was with a guy called JK. JK is like one of the flip, one of the one of the godfathers of DJing over here in in Northern Ireland. And he was talking about how whenever it was proper DJ, whenever you'd records, you'd record shops, and you know what what set a DJ apart wasn't as literally like his technical technical skill was that he had tracks that another DJ didn't have, and you know he used to get white label records and stuff like that, and um. One of the things that stood out when he said was, you know, back then, people used to come up to you in the DJ box to ask you what you were playing because music was so new and it was progressing so fast. You know, nowadays, people go up to the DJ box and tell you what to play. It's the other, it's the other way around. You know, I'm just thinking, I'd love to be back in the day where you were getting the tracks because I'm in it for the music, you know, nothing else but the music. And where you were getting these tracks, and you know, you knew that you were the only one in the country that had this track, and you'd play it on the on the night on your in the nightclub, and the place would go mad, and the whole talk about, oh, did you hear such and such played? He played this new tune. Do you know what it is? No, I don't know what it is. Whereas nowadays, you just get out your phone, press Shazam, and all of a sudden, you've got it. You you know, you, you can play it in the morning. You know, there's there's been a lot of the romance has been taken out of it, but look, I'm still ha- oh, without still having without a good a doubt. Shazam is amazing, but you don't have that fucking you know unbelievable feeling of whenever you hit the radio at the right time and you hit the DJ telling you what song it is at the right time. Yes. You know, um, what was the first uh, what was the first single you ever bought? Right, let me think. Now, are you talking now like new DJ Suter or or like back in the day? Back in the day, back there, first Woolworths fucking single. Oh, jeepers. Now, do you, do you want me to tell you the first one that I bought myself or the first one that I got? Both. The first one that I got was Jive Bunny. 
Oh. On on twelve inch, um, obviously record. I got a record player from Santa one year, and um, the fir- and obviously Santa brought me a record to play on my record player, and he brought me Jive Bunny, which to this day is still an absolute masterpiece of music, unbelievable. <laughs> the first one that I bought myself, um, Maku. Let me. This is a good question. I can remember the first album I bought myself, which was now twenty three. Right, I remember that clear as day. Um, now 23. No, uh, I'm, I'm trying to think. Was that like the summer of 95 or something? 92. Now 93 would have been 97. I was 10 years old. And that was, right. yeah, and that was whenever I got my first CD player. So I think I got, I got the record player. It must have been about sort of seven or eight. And then I must have got a CD player whenever I was 10. And there's the blades just brought in a wee cup of tea. Thanks, babe. McCoo says hello. <laughs> so um, yeah, I got my, my first. The first CD I went in and bought was now twenty three. And I remember getting the um, oh jeepers in the middle of Belfast. Um, it wasn't HMV. I think it might have been Virgin Records. And but you know, I'm getting up as a wee kid. You know, in town, probably on my own. Um, and um, you know, wee townies are allowed out. It's sort of ten year old and that sort of stuff. Um, I'm going in and buy my first my first album, which was that. You know, here actually. Actually, Leanne, yes, my, the first single I bought was Swamp Thing. Do you remember? Oh, do you remember the yeah, great Swamp Thing? Of yeah. 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 Oh. yeah, what a tune! That, that is brilliant. I'm gonna hear. I'm gonna get that on the download. That was a great track. Yeah, that's a very good tune, actually. Um, I my first single that I bought. I I was slightly cooler. Uh, no offence, but, but on, on reflection, uh, it's really not cool. Um, uh, Informer by Snow. Yes. Yes, that was my first single uh, on cassette. Oh, cassette. Oh, cheapers. Tell me that. I don't know. Are, are we allowed to discuss your age and my age on this show? Absolutely. Are me and you not the same age? I, I don't know. Am I older than you? No, I think I'm older. I was born in 82. So was I. I. So we're of a similar age. So I'm just thinking, you. But whenever you mention the word cassette, there, I'm trying to think. Surely I would have bought cassettes then. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Um. Hmm. Um, I, the first one, the first album I ever had was on cassette, but it was bought for me. Um. Santa must have bought me. Uh. Sorry, brought me a cassette Walkman. Now it wouldn't have been a Sony Walkman. It may have been a phony Walkman. Um. <laughs> And uh, yeah, so they had the wee cassette player, and it had the wee, you know, the the wee like wire headphones, the orange phone. Love it. Um, and I had uh, whenever you need somebody by Rick Astley, oh. which is possibly a ver- one of the best albums of the nineteen eighties. Sure. Uh, and I know I still know all the words. Um, but yeah, no, I definitely remember going to uh, going to Woolies and buying Snow's Informer. Um. I don't know. Maybe, maybe there was CDs. CDs came to Belfast before they came. To yeah, I can, or... I can remember recording um, the BCR when I was I was in the dance music as a kid, and um, there was a radio station up here called BCR, which I think obviously was, I think it was Belfast City Radio, then became City Beat. Yeah. And back then there was a guy called Eddie Ray, who's a pretty cool DJ. So yeah, yeah right. Yeah. And Eddie done a show called the BCR Club Dance Chart, and it was on a Friday night. And I used to sit there with my then tape player and record the whole R 
and then that gave me the music then to play all week. So yeah, no, I, I was in the I was in the tapes. That's great. Honestly, every one of these podcasts and stuff that that I do, McCoy, and all the different these are great questions. You actually start remembering stuff about your life. Yeah, that, see, that's that's the whole sort of premise of this, this is great. podcast. Is obviously modern life is rubbish, but um, it's it, it always goes down in nostalgia sort of hole because I I love nostalgia. Brilliant, brilliant. Um, you know that sort of early nineties, um, early nineties time is is optimum optimum life. You know, um, but just when you you mentioned Eddie Ray there, uh, because I suppose probably P seven first year, um. Myself and my cousin, who's more like brother in fairness, um, we used to we used to listen to rave, right? So yes. to, to us, it been rave, but that like you know would have been would have been trance to a degree, but ultrasonic. Oh, um, oh stop it, McCoy, stop it. Yeah, uh, that sort of thing. And then um, was there an right? You had Mix Mag, obviously. Oh, McCoy, come on, just there a Northern Ireland rave magazine. Not that I can think of, let me think. No, because again, yes, back then, I was a massive ultrasonic fan. I was massive in the DJ Tizer, DJ X-Ray, Bin Man, Paddy Fraser. DJ Rally. Oh, jeepers, this is, you know, and do you know what? These guys are still going. In fact, Tizer just did a great nostalgic old school set there for a charity thing that I'm involved in, a thing called DJs Unite NI, where every Saturday there are um, 12 DJs get together and, and play a set from 12 a.m. Sorry, 12 p.m. right the way through on the hour to 12 a.m. in the morning. And Tizer was on last week, and he's still just as good as he was 25 years anymore. What am I, 37, 12, yeah, 20 I, I years ago? I remember reading, reading this magazine, but I, I'm, I'm nearly I'm nearly sure there was a, like a dedicated rave-type magazine, uh, not unlike Mixmag. Yes. Um, and it was it was unique to Northern Ireland. But anyway, because um, he used to see uh, the, the like listings, the club listings in it, and it would be for like Circus Circus and stuff. And I always used to be raging that I was only like eleven, and I couldn't, I couldn't feasibly go to Circus Circus to see Eddie Ray or to see oh. maybe if Carl Cox landed over or somebody like that, you know. Um, and then on a Saturday, myself and my cousin Stephen um, used to go into Newry and go to Newry Market, and there was a, a lovely gentleman that used to sell uh, clearly. Uh, clearly counterfeit tapes of set I love that by Kaiser Roddy all that and you get like three for a five yes. or something like that so we used to buy rave tapes yes and then listen to them all week at home in our granny's house oh flip that's is that, that's proper nostalgia did you ever get the Kilwater house or, or did you ever make it the, well Circus Circus would have been a wee bit because I, I never made it the Circus Circus because it was a wee bit too young but I, I, yeah, I made it oh, no, no, no. I made it to the last year of Kilwater house I think it would have been about 15 or something like that and um, oh, flip me, X-ray bin man and Tizer, oh, cheapers, Maku. That's here. By the way, just on that note, um, because of this exact topic we we're talking about, I recorded a happy hardcore set this morning that has just went down on my SoundCloud and MixCloud tonight. So if any of you are on and want to hear what the hell Maku and I are talking about, if you go on the SoundCloud and search for DJ Chris Suter, and the last track or the last thing that I uploaded there is my. Mad Hatter Happy Hardcore set. It's it's you know what? I, it's brilliant. I think you'll actually get a few uh, takers for that because I, I, I have a, a, a notion of who the kind of audience is going to be yeah. on this podcast, and I'd say a lot of you'd have a lot of people here that are 
that will will be all over that. Um, just to wrap up the music thing, if you had to pick one track, or uh, ideally, I'd like you to pick three. Yep. But I don't. I think that's probably unfair. But um, if you had a favorite song that isn't trance, right? What would it be? Like an all-time standout track that makes you feel good, or makes you like it uplifts you, or you know, gives you happy, happy vibes. What would it be? right? Well, it's right. The first one will be. It's it's not it's not trance, but it is technically trance. <laughs> right, but anyway, this is my, my number one track of all time of everything. Everything ruled into one. If I had to pick one single track to play at my, my funeral track, if I had to pick a track to play at my funeral, can I guess? Can I guess? Go. This? Beach ball. No, but you know what? That's a damn close second. Jesus, McCoy, that's close. It's um. Well, put it like this: if if this other if this other track wasn't available, Beach Ball would do just lovely. But it's okay. it's Chicane Offshore '97. It has to be the vocal remix, the '97 vocal remix, and it is just oh, Jeepers McCoo still to this day. Again, I then morphed into a massive Chicane fan when I was starting to grow up a wee bit, and yeah. uh, Nick Chicane still going that is him and I have spoke back and forward now on Instagram with the part of social media. Cool. Unbelievable, he's still doing his thing, but literally. My hero growing up as she came. The vocal, the vocal remix is that the one with the the uh, the, the the black lady giving it the full just this verses and stuff like that. Let me think. I don't hear. Do you know what? I've never actually seen what she looks like, but it goes. There ain't yeah. no reason why we. Because it was a yeah. um, fucking ah, I need a good time. Yes, yes, good that's good. that. It's yes. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember thinking of that one time because I'm a wee bit geeky about music, and I thought that generally speaking, whenever to make a vocal remix of a good house track or or even a sort of pop trancey track that a vocal remix ruined. Yes. But I think that's one of the very few situations where the vocal remix is actually better than the instrumental in the original. Oh, totally. I, like, I love the instrumental, the the, the, the normal, the, the, the standard original mix. Um, I, lo- I love it too, but the vocal mix is just... It's just, it's just those, those two chords that do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do. Yeah. It's just it's two chords, and just the way Nick put them together, just so they literally McCoo, they transport me back to being a kid, being a teenager, and dreaming about going to nightclubs. You know, it, it's it's it was the track that I would have played, dreaming about going the the nightclubs to do whatever you had to do when you were a kid. You know what I mean? And it, it would be the one track that I would still play that just brings me back to being a kid. Now you asked me to do three, right? We're already talking about beach ball, so we can't really include that. Right, the next one, which isn't trance, but it's going to be happy hardcore, is going to be Scooter, back in the UK. Back in the UK, because <laughs> you do know that they did record one called Back in Ireland. They did, yes, that's right. <laughs> but again, that's, there was a time... That's a good Friday agreement. <laughs> scooter, he would have, he would have sort of, never mind flipping the chastling, whatever you call him. We needed Scooter over here, I would have sorted the whole thing out. But, um, yeah, but that's back, see, back in the UK. Oh my goodness, see, with me being, with me, my surname being Scooter, I got a lot of banter around Scooter. So whenever I was at, you know what I mean, right. at school and stuff like that, you know, people would have called masking or going sing us a tune, tell us sing us back in the UK, there's scooter, would you, you know? So um, that. And did you ever do the whole, you know, suitor? Yes, yes. Uh, oh, yeah. oh, like literally to, to the point where it became that I actually wanted to literally um, fall out with scooter over the sake of it. You know, even playing football, people would have started shouting that. 
But um, right, so look, we're getting down a rabbit hole here. So Shaquille Osher 97, Scooter back in the UK. And then, so a third one. And I'm gonna, I need to try and pick something that is not on those sort of genres. Something that makes me, let me see. Oh, oh hold on, I'm getting something. I'm getting something. You ready, McCoo? Yeah, I'm ready, I'm ready. And people moving on up. Move it on up, move it on down. Does that not just get you moving? You know you're, you're not wrong there. Oh, uh, true. Them people were were brilliant. They see it's it's weird how things evolved. They um like they were considered a dance act. You know, uh, I think in in 1983 or something they won best dance act. At, at that's the, right. That's right. Is, it's not exactly the most um you know you know affirmative. It's not the it's not the fucking Grammys. You know what I mean? But uh, yeah, the deconstruction label and stuff like that—they they were very much dance. But when you when you listen to most of their stuff, like it's it's pure pop. But um, yeah, moving on up is a tune. As is, how can I love you more? Oh, um, that is a very feel. Yes, and um, people. From- yes, or here we were just talking about um, Rick Astley. What a what about yeah. never gonna give you up? Oh, cheapers, McCree. Do you know what this is? This is no word of a lie. See, maybe two years ago, maybe eighteen months ago. I, w- I went yeah. through a phase of playing Rick Astley, Never Gonna Give You Up, every single day in my office on repeat. And I mean, I mean on re- I mean on repeat, McCoon. So I'd go into the office at half nine and I would go on YouTube on my playlist and i just hit repeat. And I played it all day, five days a week for about four weeks. Yeah, I would I would say like it is a tune, there's no doubt about it. That, that, <laughs> that fake uh, synthetic bass line in it but uh, I, I think Together Forever is actually a better track but I, I, I could go on and on but I'm, I'm not going to um, yes we had a couple of questions come in um, Gonzalez Antoine 3P6DO said uh, hello there you can win an iPhone 11 reply to claim I don't think that's a question oh, serious? so I'm going to go Damn it. Um, uh, l- long time listener first time uh, respondee uh, Roisin has said more statement a question Chris Suter cream egg and porridge is a game changer oh, it's class unbelievable so um, again with my, I don't know I must have one of those personalities McCoo um, see whenever I get something in the head I can't I can't seem to get away from it until I get sick of it and I've been trying to get sick of cream eggs for about 18 years now maybe more okay. and I just can't sicken myself of them McCoo and I mean see around when it comes coming up to Easter time I have three cream eggs a day every single day in life. I have one after my breakfast, I have one after my lunch, and then I have one with my cup of tea at about eight o'clock at night. Every single day, seven days a week for about three months. And I decided the other day, um, about it must have been about two weeks ago, do you know what? I haven't had a cream egg in my porridge. So made my porridge, Flahavans by the way, free plug, and um, stuck the cream egg in the middle of the hot porridge and let it melt down and melt out, and it was flipping gorgeous. Right. It sounds, it sounds like a claggy experience. Oh, jeepers, it was great. I actually put some honey over the top of it as well. And it was, oh, Jesus, man, it was unbelievable. But, like, quite quite, quite yeah. sickening, but um, still, I still had my cream egg for lunch. Yeah, nice. Uh, Shane has said, is that his real name? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Here, so, it, like... Did you, did your so it was your father was it your father that started the business? Yes, dad. So dad, um, brief family history, uh, McCoo. So, Suter family originally from Monaghan, from a wee town called Nublis. 
Um, in and around um, 65, I think 66, there was a whole lot of trouble and stuff brewing down there. And obviously, as you can understand, border town, Protestant Catholic, all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. But without getting too far into it, our, our family had to move up north. And they ended up originating in Dundonald, which is where we still are now. Um, and my dad's first job, he, he, he wanted to get into clothes, obviously coming from the country, like farmers from the country didn't have a clue about town life. Um, unusual, you know, rag story, you know, one shoe between 10 of them. And, you know, if you were last to the dinner table, you didn't get anything to eat and all that, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, so the nine of them moved up to um, the Donald and the wee, wee tiny, tiny two up, two down house in the Donald, which, um, which there's granny stayed there until she passed away. Um, and my dad's my dad's first job was in a, a shop called John Collier's in Belfast, which is a men's shop. And just literally, McCoo, he stuck at it and stuck at it and ended up opening his own shop in 1982, funny enough, called Suter Menswear. Um, and then he retired there about sort of seven, eight years ago. And uh, my brother had been working the business and took over part of the business in 97. So him and my dad were partners the whole way through most of the 2000s. And then Junior here got involved after I sold on my car um, car repair business. So I, yes, brief, going on a tangent, brief history of me. Um, primary school, secondary school, Queen's University to do electrical and electronic engineering. Out of there, or while I was at Queen's, started up a car audio business, fitting car stereos and fitting big fancy subwoofers and speakers and TVs and the headrests and all that kind of stuff. So you really are, you really are smick. Oh, complete, 100% smick, smicked out to the hilt. Lower. You see, a, a, the Nuri vernacular for smick is a stick. Yep, stick, that was me. Car, slam on the ground, big wheels, big exhaust. Hydraulic suspension, retrim, painted fancy colours, stripes in the middle of the bonnet, loads of music. So I, I ended up, I made a business out of this and we ran that for eight years and then it went tits up um, after I sold it on and I joined the family business and my dad retired so I bought his share out and the rest is history. But here, going back to the whole Monathan fam, uh, family thing, my, grand, my grandfather was Samuel Suter. And my grandmother was Rachel. Guess, just have a have a rough guess what her maiden name would have been, McCoy. Please don't have it. Was it was Taylor. Um, actually, this is true, Bill. My granny, Rachel Taylor, married my granda, Samuel Suter, and then their son, Tom Suter, opened, got in the men's, or opened his own shop called Suter Men's, and then now, 40, 50 years down the line, whatever it is, um, you know, there's the two, the two grandchildren, myself and my brother, carrying on the name, as it were. So that's like if, if my fucking ma was called fucking Mrs. Coffee and my dad was called Mr. Sophie. Yes. yes. This is very Isn't it? And here, um, I wasn't going to ask you, you know, do you enjoy what you do? Because I, I know from being a... Uh, from being in you know family business kind of thing there's sometimes there's an obligation to continue on or to to take part when you maybe don't really want to take part and you'd like to, you'd rather be doing other things so is that did, did you feel like pressure to, to keep the thing going no because uh, don't forget Makuna, i came i came about the family business from a different angle um i i, I went out i did my own thing first and sowed my seed if that makes sense and um I, I made a choice to enter the family business. So, um, no, I 
there is there is no pressure on me, and a, 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 a very sort of quickly, McCool dad kind of bowed out, and it was just me and my bro, and you know there was no real well for about the first year. I'm not going to lie to you for about the first for, for, ah, I need to speak for about the first year. Dad pulled me aside and kept saying, "Son, this business isn't broke, so don't fix it." Right? And again, he would uh, tap me on the shoulder anytime I because me being entrepreneurial, haven't run my own business for eight or nine years. Um, I was coming up with all these different ideas. Dad, let's do this. Dad, let's do that. William, come on, brother, let's do this. Let's do this. And they're just Christopher. The business isn't broke. You don't fix it. And of course, yeah. I took like and again, me being respectful. Number one of my parents. Number one of my brother. Because don't forget, my brother took on his baby brother as a partner. You know, when when, yeah. when he when he really didn't have to, McCoo. You know, he could have said actually, no, no, <laughs> not having Christopher come into the business. But he, no, he took me under his wing. Um, and that was fine. And I let it go about a year, maybe a year and a half. I think it might have stretched it about a year and a half where there were things, you know, business, social media was taken off. Businesses that I was seeing were going in different directions and were like overtaking us. And our takings were, they weren't bad, but they just weren't what, you know, the business wasn't what it could be. And uh, yeah. like my, my brother and my dad didn't have any inkling of taking it forward. And they were happy just doing what they do, and that was fine. But then, as I say, as dad was starting to buy out, I seen a space then for me to kind of drive the thing on. And it just took me to kind of, it took me to kind of talk my brother around, or at least I thought to myself, I'm going to show him something. So I kind of went behind his back a wee bit and started out the bespoke end of the, of the tailoring business, which is where, where you come in and you get measured up. And you pick your fabric, pick your linings, pick your buttons, pick everything, and I design a suit for you, and then we make it all up, and you get a, a one-off instead of just buying a suit off the rack. So I went ahead and get that sorted out, and the the um would have been about maybe the six or seven months after this was gone, my brother came and he says, Chris, this is this is a good job for a pedia. Um, more or less gave me the reins then to start advertising the place and start getting it out there. And you know, I was one of the first people McCo to really latch on to the whole social media influencer thing now that was before that was before there were influencers you know you know the influencers that are about nowadays yeah no so what this was i nicholas taking at me oh i remember me hashtag influencer and um and i'm mccree mccree's a hashtag influencer yes mccree me and you were hashtag influencers i am not a hashtag influencer <laughs> <laughs> you did i remember i brought you a free 24 credit boost come on you're a fit that was just you being dead on. It wasn't like, you know, drink this person. <laughs> but back... That was a pity. It was a pity. Anyway, you still got it free. So um, don't tell your... Don't put it in your self-assessment. Um, so back then, I, I looked into the whole kind of celebrity thing because celebrities were still the influencer culture over here. You know, the minute you would see Carl Frampton with anything, the entire country wanted it. So it's it started yeah. out... Uh, Michael, Con Michael Conlon got in contact with me. And we got Michael on board, and we got him kitted out in a suit. Then Carl seen Michael. Carl phoned me. Then we got Carl fitted out in a suit. And after that, McCoo, the whole thing, the business, everything just went skywards, you know. So that was that was it. So have you ever, have you ever cupped Carl? Oh, hundred percent. Not even that. He farted right in my mouth one time. The wee bollocks. So. So what do you do in that situation where you, like I obviously I don't have balls, yes. and um, I've never had anybody take my instant yes. leg. 
but what what's the protocol there if, if there is a, an accidental ball touch or is the ball touch you know it's not an elbow because our our um our tape measures that we use maku have like a three inch brass end on them and that's so that's so you can stick the tape measure right up in there and not have to touch the bollocks so um but it wouldn't be it wouldn't be the first time you know when you've you've been measuring about there and you've maybe get hit in the hand with something but you're sure, all men so it doesn't make any difference but whenever and who who's the most famous famous uh, scrotum that you've touched? The most famous scrotum, right, well, it all depends on your assessment of fame. I would say on a, on a world level, our most famous client and the most famous person that I've worked with and who I'm still working with today and who is an absolute hero of mine, never mind a client of mine, is a, a young man called Sir Van Morrison. Have you heard of him? Mm-hmm. Yes, and um, Van is just Van is just see, see outside of Northern Ireland this is what I try to explain to people Van outside of Northern Ireland McCoo, is as big as Elvis I know because he's over here and, he, oh, and he's our wee Van and we just see him as ours there's Van Marsh you see him down at Homebird and having a coffee there's Van see in America in Japan in flipping South Africa in all over the world Van Morrison is a complete megastar. Like, if, if Van Morrison was in Japan, he would get mobbed. Like, literally flipping mobbed. And he is... But that's, that's pure that's pure Northern Ireland, though, isn't it? Or pure it is. Ireland, even. There's one. Oh. There's one. You know, same with McElroy, but whenever McElroy's here, like, we Rory, again, on a sports level. Rory, on a sports level, is flipping David Beckham-esque. You know, worldwide, he is just an absolute international superstar but when he's back over here oh sorry yeah it works, it works. yeah it works. so uh what yeah but back over here people just want to know if he's playing if he's going to play for ireland or play for <laughs> i know there's always here we've got to get some politics and that's just what we do over here isn't it how do we get how do, how do we get no, po- it's, it's how do we get politics banter, like, it is it is great banter oh, um, uh, what i was going to ask you something else well yes i see you had a troll this morning about trolling a little bit of light something i probably i don't know you probably get a few too but i would get weekly like i would get maybe two or three but every every now and again i just find one that i expose you know what i mean and, and i do it i do it I've got to be careful, McCoo, because I don't want it to come out there and look like it's a flipping appreciation post. Because you get lo- as just a natural reaction, you get lots of lovely messages. People telling you that you're great and you're doing a good thing, and, and that yeah. you know next time round, I'm I'm gonna have to put like a caveat on it. Like here, guys, I'm just putting this out there to show you what's going on. But you know, please don't tell me how flipping great I am. Thanks very much, because I don't you know I don't want it to look because that makes you look like a dick too. Then doesn't it? you know? I you know he's there. Yeah, here, there's Suter putting another. Tr- well, again, he just wants us to tell him how flipping great he is. He's a twat. You know, I, I don't want that because for for me, it's about yeah. it's it's about exposing that you know you can't go behind closed doors and say all these things and think, oh here, that guy's never going to put me on his story. I was like, you know what, fella, yeah. I'm putting you on there with your name, your picture, your whole height, with a big arrow pointing at your face, saying, look what this guy just said. I mean, you know what? See some of the stuff he'd said to me before. Uh, McCoy, I don't know how I didn't see it. He'd been trolling me for about six months. And, oh, really? And I don't know, I don't know how I missed it, but whenever, whenever that one came up on the, you know, the requested messages, whatever, I clicked into it. I was like, holy shit, this guy's been calling me a C-U-N-T for months, and telling me. See that? That says more about him than. Like it does. It's it's like it's it's just it's it's awful, but it's 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 laughable too, and I I just feel kind of sorry for the McQueen, you know. 
I don't I don't hate them. I don't dislike them. I don't you know, I, I almost I just feel sorry for them with my I'm like an empath. I wanna I wanna go and find where they are, put my armor in and say, mate, what's the crack? Why did why did you do that? What have I what have I really done to deserve that from you? And you know, is there any is there any way I can can I help you? Tell me how I can help you. <laughs> do, you do you know what I mean? See that would just make you an even bigger <laughs> in, in their view, you know. Yeah. Um, I don't actually get that much troll, and I have to say, but I think maybe, and I could be totally wrong here, um, I think that whenever, because obviously I'm a woman, yes. right? Now, you know, you can stretch the definition of woman. I'm not the most, you know, womanly woman, yes. as in the, the literal, like, I'm not putting on makeup, I'm not talking about fake lashes, I'm not talking about, you know, blah, blah, blah. So I'm not, you know, my content isn't very female oriented yes. it's not really anything oriented um but i would say that guys who put themselves out there like yourself um and i don't know why this has come to mind but callum best callum best's quite sort of prolific yeah. you know on instagram as well and i'd say maybe guys would be more upfront about openly trolling guys whereas girls i'll do it behind your back will talk yeah. about yeah they'll talk about it in group chats or online forums or stuff like that and it's it's much more it's more, it's more hidden, but it's more... It's more bitchy. Whereas, it's, you know, it, a fella will call a fella a dick to his face, and that's the yeah. end of it. Whereas women won't. Well, did you see the, did you see the one a couple of weeks ago? Again, I shared... The, the reason why I shared that one today is because the wee bollocks said it looked 50, and then he, then he put up that I flipping... What was it? That I... A reek of, reek of money. I'm like... Reek of money. I'm like, yeah. what does that even mean? So I, I went and got a deodorant and wrapped a £20 note around it and, as you've seen, put a picture of it and said it must be my deodorant. Um, but a couple of weeks ago, some guy trolled me and, um, again, he'd been, he'd been trolling me a wee bit. Uh, but he then came out and says, next time I see you in Belfast, I'm going to knock your cunt in. And that was, a, that, was, <laughs> that was the first time I had physical violence threatened. Do you know what I mean? So I was like, you know what? Fuck you, kid. I'm going to put your knee, your face, your whole heap, wherever. And I did. I put it over my Facebook, my Twitter, my Instagram. And the thing went mad. And he's deleted all his social media. He's way hiding a wee hole somewhere. And um, and the worst of it is, he his his mutual friends are mutual friends of mine. So, like, I'm, like, two people away from meeting the guy. Like, I'll, I'll meet him someday. And I'll say, here, Paul... Yeah, and, and did, did he react directly back to you, or did he just shut everything down? Oh, no, he reacted back. He goes, thanks for the new followers. But he, so I put up the, the post, and people were calling him all the end of the day. And then back about halfway down, he goes, thanks for the new followers. He went from 146 followers to 147. So he got, he got right. one follower, and a lot of people then called him out on that. And that's when he just went to, he went to ground. But, um, oh, do you know what? Again, McCoy, I, feel, I just feel sorry for him. Like, you know, he must have been having a really bad day to want to take it out on me. And I want to just, I just kind of want to go and find out where he is. Um, I'll be working in MOT Centre, Alaska. And um, just say that, you know, just say that. GDPR, GDPR. Um, you know, but um, you just want to, I just want to. What's the flipping crack? Is, is there anything I can? I know you don't like me, but is there any way I can make you like me? Is there anything I can help you out? Do you want me to take you out for a pint? What do you want me to do? Do you want me just to leave you alone and just flip and delete me from your life? Because that's what I said. I'm just, you know, that's the thing with social media. Yeah. See if you it, 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 it annoys me that a lot of people don't seem to understand the concept of unfollowing yes. someone. Yes. Yes. If you don't like, if you don't like someone, just get, you know, delete them from your life. That's it. Done. Yeah, but I think a lot of people get get caught up in the, you know, um, 
you know, it's more fun to, to have something that annoy you so that you can have a... Yeah, that's exactly it. But that's here. There's a lot of Northern Ireland about that. But then I suppose as you see around the world, it's just the way the world has become. But um, yeah, it's it's one of those things people just look, almost look forward to the, the thrill of slagging somebody off to get a reaction you know there are there are there are people out there that are just reactors they're just they're just waiting for all this stuff to come for them to blow up to have a go at someone and you know it's just the way it's maybe just the way they've been brought up or yeah i know it's 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 a strange strange world out there um what's what's your plans then um whenever lockdown is lifted where where's your first protocol first protocol maku this is a great question and i have the perfect answer I am getting in the car. Once we're allowed, see, once we're allowed to go south, I'm a massive fan of the island of Ireland, right? And um, number one, my my dream, right, okay, so everybody's dreams, my dream is to own a house in Donegal, okay? That's my dream. But... but that's, that's that's most Northern Ireland. It is, oh, it is, it is, but I'm going to Downing, so I'm going up that direction. So... Uh, but it is, it is, you're right, like it's literally, it's, 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 Belfast it's, Belfast it's, most time of year. But, um, right, so my dream is to have a house in Donegal, right? Um, but literally the minute I'm allowed out again, or sorry, we are allowed out again, I am driving to the southernmost tip of County Kerry, and I'm going to stand at the edge of the beach, and I'm going to take a pee in the sea. Would you not just nip up the nope. north coast? Not a north, not a massive north coast fan. I do, I do like it and do really appreciate it. But there's something about myself and the blade and the kids. We took a camper van last year down to County Kerry and on the ring. And um, yeah, that's where I'm going. I'm going to go down to the ring. I'm going to drive right the way around. I'm going to stop in a wee town called Sneem for an ice cream. The ice cream in Sneem is unbelievable. If you've never been to Sneem, you guys need to make it to Sneem. It's one of the most amazing wee towns in Ireland. And then I'm going to go down to um, a lovely place called Catter Savine, and I say I'm going to stand at the edge and I'm going to take a pee in the sea. I don't know why. Have you ever Pardon? been to Muff? Have you ever been to Muff? Have I been to Muff? Uh, yes. Do you know I went, I went to Muff? Have you ever been diving in Muff? <laughs> Only once. Do you know there is actually a Muff diving club? Yes, I know. It's oh, crazy. I know. I'm an honorary member. Here, all joking, do you want me to tell you a story about Muff? Yeah. Right, well, as, I love Muff. And um, one night, myself, and let me see, this must have been going, my, my friend Raymond had his, had his Bora, so we would have been about 23. Yeah, at about 11 o'clock at night, me and a couple of friends were just out um, cruising, being a steak, or a smick, or what did you, what did you call them? Mm-hmm. The smick, yeah, being a smick, right? Cruising our cars, doing our thing. And we decided to go to Muff. So we drove the whole way up to Muff, made it to Muff. And um, on the way back down the road, you come down the Glen Sheen Pass. And we had his Volkswagen Bora, which was a two-liter diesel back then, doing a, doing 155 miles per hour. Down, down, That's disgusting, and we do not recommend that anybody drive down the Down the Glen Sheen Pass, 155 miles an hour. Unbelievable. And again, I wasn't... I wasn't I wasn't driving, so it was nothing as, to do with me. As a father of two, you should be ashamed, shocked. And yes, I'm. I'm going to caveat that by saying yes. I agree with uh, Liam McCoy there that we do not condone speeding at all, and um, nobody should do such a thing. And we definitely don't uh, condone just nipping up the muff. That's the true. Yep, and honestly, there's plenty of muff um, to be had in lockdown at home. At home. You know, 
you just have to get on the internet. There's plenty of muff on it. You can go up. To, you can go and find muff just on the internet. And um, well, do you know what? I I I don't need to. Chris, we're going to leave it there. Thank you cool. so much for taking my call. I know you're a busy, busy, busy guy. Are you um, on Instagram live tomorrow evening? Yeah. As usual, or yeah. No, I've had plenty to do off this this week. Um, I've had lots of stuff on, so I haven't got to do my live. So Instagram live tomorrow at seven o'clock. Um, I'm, I'm doing like a, a like a split session now. It's like seven to half seven on Instagram, then I flick over on the Facebook and do a wee bit of Facebook because Instagram nice. keep pulling the feed and um, there's. There's a whole lot of stuff going on with their algorithm too, McCoy. I don't know if you've ever, if you ever go into Instagram Live, like you've over ten thousand followers, right? If you if you go into Instagram Live, have a look at how many of your followers it says is online and active. Like at the minute, I've I've fourteen thousand odd, and the most that I've seen active at one time on my Instagram has been like two hundred, and I'm saying to myself. Ah, yeah, it's in it. Yeah, two. I'd be quite happy. Yeah. two hundred on a on a live video, but I've never thought about the actual. You know the the percentage. Do you know what I mean? I've never actually thought how on why. Yes. What? Yeah. Exactly. How can there only be two hundred people out of fourteen thousand on Instagram at seven o'clock at night? You know, it's so obviously the, the the algorithm, whatever way they've got the software set up, they're they're doing that for some particular reason. And um, you know, I'm I'm not massively into the whole. There's people out there that I know, McCoo, that grew like there's there's a girl that I know, um, and grew her Instagram from zero. To like twenty eight thousand in about six weeks, by lit oh literally by now she was putting up beautiful stuff of her house like her Instagram her 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 eye to taking pictures and stuff was brilliant her content was really good, but but she yeah she followed all the guidance on how to grow your Instagram as in posting at the certain times liking and show you anytime somebody comments you know make sure you comment underneath and she followed all the stuff that makes the algorithm help you grow your Instagram I just don't I just don't have the bloody time for it and honestly no no that that, that sort of robs it of it's organicness um, of the social aspect yeah of it, I think. but uh, it, it you know if you're if you're playing by rules or whatever I, I just prefer to have a bit of a bit of crack uh, and a bit of banter and if I don't post every single day well big deal there's a good there's a good reason well we had sure I remember McCoo remember how I met you by um by get, getting you to that um the 10,000 mark and through the blade we Nicola here Nicola right. followed you for ages and loved all your crack and she says right sooner come on because Nick the blade calls me sooner you know she was right sooner come on we've got to help got to help this girl McCoo get to 10k and so we had great crack I mean because it was it was funny because um you your your beautiful yes. visage adorned yes. billboard in Newry, which is for anyone who's interested, is the one beside the yes. pan, uh, beside the old toilets, uh, the old men's toilets in Monon Street, which used to be a great spot. For oh, um, so you know, well done you. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, we've got a nice wee a nice wee photo. How how do you feel um, having your dome on the side? Of do you know what, McCoo? Again, another great wee story with that. So. Um, Whenever I was asked to do that, there was four, six businesses. I think there were six businesses across the north were chosen to be like the champions of their sector. So um, it was it was run through Visit Belfast, and they definitely. I don't know whether this was whether it was a mistake or what happened, but they definitely weighted the campaign very much in my favour, and literally. Like, I think I was supposed to be on maybe eight or ten billboards and, you know, two or three buses. It was meant to be spread out. McCoo, I was on 
I think it was 36 billboards across the province. I was I was on about 500 buses. Like you couldn't. You just you couldn't go through Belfast without seeing a picture of my flipping beak. So you can ima- you can imagine if you're one of the trolls that literally hate my guts, and you know you, me and you just we just touched on it earlier on there. You know if you don't like someone online, just ignore them and block them. And for those people that have blocked me and they tried to go into Belfast shopping, and all of a sudden it's just my beak everywhere. There was just my face, my face my face and it was you know make it belfast for for a fitting shot here and they've done it on youtube they've done it on tv they've done it everywhere for a fitting shopping experience make it belfast and uh, yeah so yeah. You must, um, the kids must get an awful they, they just love their daddy to be fair to them now i must admit and you know obviously with all the tv stuff and all they're doing the radio and you know i do like i am a bit of a media slut mccoo i do get myself out there and i really you know i enjoy it and um, the, the kids certainly get a bit of a kick out of it too, and particularly like they, they love. Yeah. Well, I I I've actually been on TikTok, and yeah, and I've been um, uh, a guy called uh, Johnny, Johnny Caldwell uh, got me to record a few um, to do a wee a wee bit about April Fool's Day. Johnny, there. I know Johnny the very best. So, so I'm get I'm getting there, but uh, I can I can actually beat you on this. I was in. Uh, BBC in Belfast whenever I was yes. five because I won a competition on uh, Radio Walser had, had a had a kids show called One yes. Two Potato and we used to have to listen to it in primary school which is probably giving the teachers um, something to you know giving them a wee half hour break from having to listen to us <laughs> and we got to listen to this and we had to write um, a wee story or a yes. poem or something and uh, there we are we, we all did them and sent them in and I was one of the winners, and I got to go up to um, up to BBC up in Belfast. Got to press all. I had never seen a pedestrian crossing. Um, that's that's how much Jeepers, I, creepers. I was. I don't know if they had yeah. a pedestrian crossing yeah. area at that stage, but Mommy and Daddy let me push the button every time we had to cross the road. And uh, I met Wendy. When? Who oh, here? Whoa! And stop there! Just quickly, stop there. When? Right. So what? just on the Wendy Austin note, right? Again, Wendy. Um, I know Wendy very well. Wendy was the per like I don't know. Have you ever seen one of my pseudonyms? McCoo is the Belfast Taylor. So for for ages I was that was my handle on Instagram and stuff. Um, the Belfast Taylor. It was Wendy Austin that coined that catchphrase for me and that name. Yes, because again I was I was a I was a weekly contributor to Talkback and um, when all Wendy Austin shows and her she used to introduce me as the Belfast Taylor Chris Suter and I was like mm, the Belfast Taylor that sounds good well how that so again uh, Wendy Wendy knows that that she's she was the one that attribute uh, that I attribute that to so yeah Wendy's lovely and my ma still has a certificate I got that day oh oh we baby McCoo that was the pinnacle of my uh, well, here. achievement was <laughs> whatever I was here achieved. You, you know, I you know I did come down with me, didn't you? Yes, I, I haven't it's actually brilliant. watched it, but I saw you sharing screenshots and stuff there a while back, so I must I must get in. It was brilliant. It's yeah, you should still be able to get it on Channel Four. It was in September. It was actually ages ago. It was in September two thousand seventeen. But again, they have like literally outplayed it. It's been on E four, more four, flipping five four, ten four, twenty four, Channel Four. Oh, but yeah. here I'm just thinking, McCoo, you would be come down with me, gold. Oh my God, you'd be brilliant on it. Oh my God, you'd be brilliant on it. Yeah, 
No, I hate exactly. I, I don't want exactly. That is that is it. That is why you would be so good at. Oh my God, McCoy! Do you know not even that? I'm still friendly with um, the producer Tom Tom Thompson that, that produced the show. Um, him and I kind of just hit it off. I'm gonna I'm gonna send. See, once we're back out, I'm gonna send him a mail and demand that he comes over and does one with you. No, I I don't like I, I, the the profanity. Felt <laughs> it could be like an after nine o'clock p.m. Come down with me. Yeah, Hollyoaks after dark. You remember they used to throw on a Hollyoaks yeah. at eleven o'clock. Um, yeah, it'll be something like that. Well, listen, thank okay. you again. I'm gonna I'm gonna cut this one short because Alfie is sniffing okay. at the door because uh, you're actually in nice. with me right now. Um. So I, I can hear Alfie nuzzling at the door, so I'm going to go. But thank you, Pleasure. Um, don't forget, everybody, to uh, give Chris a follow. Give give them your socials. Right, socials. Um, Instagram is at Chris Suter GGG. Um, uh, let me see. Twitter is at Suter Brothers. And Facebook, you'll find me, Chris D space J space Suter. Chris D J Suter. But the Instagram, like, let's be, let's be honest, McCoy, it's all about the gram. It's all about the ground, and don't forget also to um, any yoga heads. Oh yes, the blade is at Suter Yoga across all her channels. She's got a, a bit more succinct than I do, so she is at Suter Yoga, and you're more than welcome. She does online classes now, so you can log on um, three nights a week and every Saturday morning, every Sunday morning, and do it in your own home through Zoom. It's brilliant. She's doing really well, and she's really good at it, as I should say that. But uh, yeah, so Atsura Yoga. But Maku, thank you very, very much for having me on. I have really enjoyed it. I, th- I think you're a great host, and your um, your knowledge of music, particularly '90s music, is exceptional. So um, that's what that's what happens whenever you set a child. Nice. Pops and <laughs> Honestly, I've really, really, really enjoyed it. So thank you for having me on. Awesome, awesome. Listen, thank you again, and uh, see you soon, babes. We'll see you once we get out. See you soon, babes. We'll see you once we get out. All right. Bye, Bye. McCoo.